Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of According to RP on WJMS Media, powered by Black Ivy Media. It's your girl, Rita Pierre, your host. And as always, I hope you guys are striving, thriving, and surviving in these crazy, crazy streets. Crazy and uncertain streets. And the reason I say uncertain is because we don't know what's happening with this pandemic. Apparently, New York State and other states, but New York State, that's where I live, has almost declared this an endemic. I think they've even used those words. And I say that because New York State Governor Hochul has already lifted mask mandates and such for the state. But tomorrow, March 7th, New York City is essentially doing away with the keys to the city. Is it? Is it? I keep calling it the keys to the city. I think it's keys to New York or access New York, something like that. Either way, either way, um, the mask mandates are being lifted for indoor, not just the mask mandates, actually. Let me get this straight. The mask mandates and the vaccine requirements are being lifted for indoor dining facilities, uh, indoor entertainment facilities, the gym, so uh, indoor fitness facilities, and the biggest one of all new york city public schools as of tomorrow uh they the kids do not need to wear masks nobody needs to wear a mask the teachers as well too um and this is for k through 12 so that's a really big one right because it's the kids it's the teachers everybody's all under one roof in each other's faces uh i'm a little scared to be honest i am a little scared uh, but I'm hoping that maybe the governor and the mayor know something that I don't know. And and we are literally at an endemic. Right. So keep your fingers crossed for that. But I would just say keep a mask in your pocket, guys. The last time they lifted, you know, mask mandates, I think we ended up with what Delta Omarion and friends and I don't know. I am a bit skeptical. I think I personally will be wearing my mask a little longer. I will be wearing my mask for a little bit longer. Um, and I will, you know, keep a watchful eye and ear. <laughs> I'll keep my ear to the streets to see what's truly going on. I mean, I would love to walk around without a mask, but I don't know. I do in the streets. When I'm in the streets and I'm not, you know, inside indoors, I will take my mask off. But if I'm indoors, I tend to keep my mask on unless for whatever reason I am comfortable with the individuals I am around. I don't know. I'm I'm a bit skeptical, but I'm just hoping that it's just, you know, me and that there really is a light at the end of this pandemic tunnel. So Either way, for those of you who don't know, tomorrow in New York City, you will be able to walk around maskless and enter into indoor dining facilities. If you were unvaccinated, I guess you don't have to go get it now because now you can go eat with your family inside of these facilities. You can go to the gym and you could essentially go back to living your life. However, though, uh, if you're riding public transportation, if you're in the airports and if you're in the hospitals, of course, you still need to wear a mask. So I've been seeing a lot of y'all entering 
the New York City transit system without a mask, the masks are still a requirement for public transportation. Now that I've gotten <laughs> that out the way, um, it's Women's History Month. It is Women's History Month. So happy Sunday. Happy Women's History Month. Happy first Sunday of the month of March. Can you believe that we are in the month of March already? I feel like I literally rang in the new year last week. And now we are essentially at the end of the first quarter. The end of the first quarter. So for those of you who had first quarter goals, <laughs> I guess you'll be trying to achieve them in the second quarter. But we are literally at the end of the first quarter and it is Women's History Month. And I'm so excited about Women's History Month because there is so much to celebrate. There is so much to acknowledge. Women have contributed tremendously to society, to culture, to humanity, Um and I'm here for it. But the one thing I will say that I am a little happy to see is the new hashtags, Black Her Story, Black Women's History. And I will be talking a little bit about this, you know, a little later on with our special guest. But now that I think of it, women's history for me, at least with me coming up in the schools, did not include black women. With Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman, we only really learned about them during Black History Month because apparently there's only two black women that were ever, that ever graced the earth. But when it came to women's history month, it was always about Susan B. Anthony and, you know, these other women, white women. And it was never, a, I've never, I never remember, you know, hearing or reading about a black woman in Women's History Month. You know, shame on the schools that I went to, I guess. But I have a feeling that this might be your story as well, too. And so I'm happy that we are essentially, I guess, taking history back. And this, you know, Black History, Black Women's History Month, Black Her Story Month, I am here for it. And I challenge you all just like I challenged you for Black History Month to, you know, do a little research. Let's let's dig into this Black women's history situation and let's educate ourselves of the amazing Black women that contributed to society, to history, to culture, and, you know, to the world. So we're going to do our best to do that here on this platform for the rest of this month. And we're also going to be doing this at, on Black Ivy Media. So for those of you who follow us, if you do not follow us on Black Ivy Media, shame on you. Follow us at Black Ivy Media, common spelling. We're on Instagram predominantly, but if you're a Facebooker, you'll catch us on Facebook as well, too. And we also have our YouTube channel, but definitely follow us on these platforms. But what we are doing this month um, is something we did last year, actually. We had our phenomenal women's um, phenomenal black women's, sorry guys, I'm tired. <laughs> the phenomenal black women's series. But this year we are continuing the phenomenal black women's series. Jesus, it's like a tongue twister today. We are featuring 31 phenomenal black women with a focus on women in the entrepreneurial spaces and creative spaces. Oftentimes when we're talking about black women and we're talking about contributions, we focused on like the scientists, we focused on like the lawyers, the judges, the doctors. And listen, we are amazing because I fall into that category as a lawyer. However, our creatives, you know, do so much to move the culture forward. Our entrepreneurs are really like redefining spaces. And so we want to highlight them. And these are not going to be, you know, 
Beyonce's and, and Rihanna, although, you know, I love them and they're doing their part as well, too. But we have so many local entrepreneurs and creatives that are literally shifting spaces, shifting dynamics, changing narratives. And we want to highlight them. We want the world to know who they are. So we are featuring them. We have been featuring them since March 1st because we are featuring 31 women, one woman for every day of the month of March. So follow us on Black Ivy Media to see these amazing profiles and to learn more about these amazing women. And they're not just coming from New York City, guys. I know there's a bias because I am here in New York City, but we are featuring women globally. We've already featured our Quebecois, our Canadian Quebec family. We will be featuring some South African beauties. So we are literally going global with this. So you do not want to miss that. Along the same vein of not missing things, we are having our live stream on Black Women and Fertility on March 24th, Thursday, March 24th, 2022, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Black Ivy Media. We are uh, streaming it from our Facebook and our YouTube channel. So... Please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. This is not just for women. This is for men, too, because we are talking about black women and fertility, which means family planning, having babies, creating legacies. Men are included, obviously, in that as well. And so this is a conversation that men need to be a part of black men, especially because this fertility conversation, it includes you as well. So please uh, tell your friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. <laughs> you can click on the link in bio at Black Ivy Media to also RSVP. So it's RSVP, free ticket, but you know, we want to be able to get some information on you guys. We want you guys to be able to get the reminders. So when we do it like that, you can get a reminder a couple days of before the event. Hey, remember to put this on your calendar, Black Women and Fertility. And this is really a conversation addressing, right, the challenges, the myths, the stigmas that surround Black women and fertility. So you definitely want to make sure you are there even if this information is not valuable to you, I am 99.9999% sure that this information will be valuable to somebody within your circle. So you definitely want to be present. So today we have an amazing show because we have an amazing guest by the name of council member Farah N. Lewis. She is no stranger to the According to RP platform. Today she is going to reintroduce herself in a sense because it's been a while since she's been on this platform and we we have gained so many new followers, so many new listeners, and you guys don't know who she is and the amazing work that she's doing in District 45 in Brooklyn, New York. So she's going to come on and talk a little bit about herself, some upcoming things that are happening within the district, and really just kind of engaging in a conversation um, on black women and history and why Women's History Month is important, but why Black Women's History Month is, I don't want to say even more important, but I guess I will say even more important, right? Because we've been disenfranchised for so long. Our young girls do not know, you know, what Black women have been doing in history because it has not been highlighted. We've been at a disadvantage, but we are claiming our time back, claiming, you know, our history back. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. So you definitely want to make sure that you keep it locked. However, before 
we get into the meat of the show, we're going to go through some of our preliminaries. We're not going to go through all of them because I want to make sure that I leave enough time for the interview. So with that being said, everyone, it is now time for the Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? May I have the definition? Um, what does keep keep mean? What's on fleek? Can you use it in a sentence? And it's gonna be lit. Major key. It's time for the Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week. This week's Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week is black woman. (laughs) So let's see what Urban Dictionary has to say about black woman because Urban Dictionary sometimes is on some. Either way. Black women, as defined, the most diverse, prettiest, underrated, and strongest group of women in the world. All right. All right. Urban Dictionary, redeeming yourself. They usually look very young. That is a tr- that is true. <laughs> Their skin color ranges from the dark black to white. Okay. Okay. Even in Africa alone, their hair texture ranges from kinky to curly to straight. Black women choose to straighten their hair because it is more manageable or they have been told by society that their natural hair is unprofessional. Now we've definitely heard that. Now the most are cho- now that most are choosing to wear their regal like natural hair, their eyes range from dark brown to light brown to green and in rare cases in some tribes of Africa blue. Their body size range from slender to fat. I don't know if I'd use the word fat. Maybe, I don't know, thick. I'd use the word thick. (laughs) Their noses range from flat to slender. Despite past Europeans' claims that all Africans have flat noses, which is not true. Although they have been attacked both racially and as women, raped by whites, abandoned by their kids' fathers, and constantly brought down by the media's depiction of them as fat, loud, and ghetto, black women have remained strong and make up two-thirds of black college undergraduates. They are highly sought after in West European countries, yet undervalued in the Americas because of the stigma from slavery and covert racism in the media. They have been reminded that they are worthless as women because they are far different from white women. But when white or non-black women have black features, they are usually idolized. White women get lip injections, tans, and buttocks implants to have what this group, black women, already have. All right, I don't know where this example is coming from, but I'm going to read it. Osama bin Laden, although he was racist, told all his secrets to his black mistress who warned whites, but they chose not to believe her until they found out it was true. This is an example of whites constantly underrating black women. Now, I don't know why they dug up the bones of Osama bin Laden for this example. (laughs) Wherever he is, I don't know if he's in the heavens with his... Um, 100 virgins or if he I don't know or did they even capture him we don't even know right that's another story I'm, I'm going on a tangent I'm going on a tangent because apparently he was lost at sea or found at sea or killed at sea I don't know but either way I find this to be very bizarre that out of every example they can dig up Osama bin Laden interesting either way another example black women are the greatest dancers okay I see that now another, they, they have so many examples today, guys. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to read them all. I'm committed. 
Example, white guy, Megan Fox is so hot. She has those full lips. Black guy, man, most black women have those lips. Besides Fox, it's all fake. Try Megan Good. Show picture of Megan Good. White guy, oh, this is so hot. Okay. In the last example, affluent white German NBA player Dirk Nowitzki, Nowitzki, I don't know, is engaged to a hot black woman from Sweden. All right. Well, guys, that was long. (laughs) But there were so many truths in that statement. You know, usually Urban Dictionary gets things a little wrong. Um, And and the examples were a little bizarre to me. I think they probably could have left the examples out. But I think that this long uh, definition of black of what a black woman is, according to Urban Dictionary or according to uh Ukenomi 56032, there are so many truths in here, right? We are the most diverse. I think we are the prettiest and we are the the most underrated group of all women. This is women across the world. We come in so many shapes and sizes. We come in so many skin tones. We come, you know, our eyes come in so many different uh, colors, You know, there's so much here that is true. And I think the part about the natural hair is also true. Although we are now seeing more and more women embrace their natural hair, a lot of us did straighten our hair because it was deemed unmanageable, unprofessional and whatnot. But what I will say about this hair thing is that even though a lot of us are embracing our natural hair, we still love versatility. We still love diversity. We still love to just be different. And I think that's the beauty of being a black woman is that we are able to switch things up at a drop of a dime. And so for those of us who still choose to wear a wig or to wear a weave or to color our hair or to do whatever, braids, crochets, uh, dreads. There's so many different options. I think because of our diversity as black women, because of our lot as being black women, we are able to 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 transform to be whoever we want to be. And it doesn't mean that we are hateful of ourselves because today I chose to wear a wig or, you know, tomorrow I choose to wear makeup or whatever it is. We have to be careful at some of the rhetoric that's aimed toward black women that in a sense brings us down, right? If we feel like we want to wear a weave today, that does not mean we hate ourselves. I think where we can get into that, you know, type of discussion is if we only wear weaves and we don't want to leave the house without wearing makeup or something because we feel that we are not beautiful without it. I think that's where we get into that conversation of maybe self-hatred. But I myself, I love to be diverse. I love to be a diva looking woman one day. And I, you know, love to be a natural regal queen, you know, on another day. So I think that as we are, you know, engaging in these discussions on hair and beauty and what it means to be a black woman. We do have to be careful not to fall into rhetoric that is damaging because a lot of the stuff that we see on social media, a lot of the conversations we're hearing, you know, that are putting down black women essentially for making choices, for having agency over their bodies um, can be damaging. So remember that. Now, we are now on to our Haitian Creole word or phrase of the week. All 
So our Haitian Creole word or phrase of the week is fum jum. Fum jum. Fum means woman. Jum means strong. So fum jum means strong woman. And, you know, growing up as a Haitian American, I would always hear my grandmother talk about fum jum, fum jum, or fum sad jum, like this woman is strong. And I loved hearing that phrase. I loved, you know, seeing this concept of strong black woman and, you know, basically um, celebrated within the Haitian community. And I think that many of you all will say or will, will know that, you know, Haitian women, we are strong. And I think that we are valued in a sense within our communities. We are the heads of households. We are like the leaders, essentially. Um, Even when the man's around, we are still the leaders. We are still doing what we need to do. And I think that Haitian women represent such strength. And I think they exude this strength and their children and their children's children draw from this strength. And we become this resilient group. I know for myself, the women in my family are jum. They are jum women because I mean, the things that I've seen them do, the things that they continue to do, it amazes me. And especially, you know, my relatives and my mom and my grandmother who left Haiti to come start a new life in a country they had no knowledge of. They did not speak the English. They were not of the culture. They did not eat the same food. And they were still able to thrive, to strive, and to survive. Amazing. You know, I have no words. And so I believe that I am, I know that I am a fum jum. And I really attribute that to my ancestors, to my family, um, And I mean, I don't know, I can go on and say so much more because now I'm like kind of like in this nostalgia of my family and just, you know, their rearing of me. But either way, fum jum is the Haitian Creole word or phrase of the week. Hopefully you guys can find a way to use it. I know for those of you who are on Duolingo. Uh, <laughs> I hope you guys are practicing because there will be something coming up soon. I can't say exactly when, but we do have some stuff up our sleeves with respect to all of this Haitian Creole learning that we're doing on this platform. We are getting ready to create something. Um, so you guys stay tuned for that. So all of this is not in vain, guys. I am teaching you these words. I'm asking you to follow up on Duolingo now that it's available. We are going to put these words into practice very, very soon. So with that being said, everyone, we are going to move on to the meat of the show. everyone i'm here with my very special guest no stranger to the according to rp show council member farah and lewis farah say hello <laughs> hi everybody thank you so much for having me on today of course of course well today is the first sunday of women's history month so i thought who best to kick off the according to rp month than the honorable council member farah lewis Truly appreciate it. And um, I'm so excited because we run the world. So it's, it's exciting to be in the midst of Women's History Month. Yes, yes, yes. So Farah, I want, I know not everybody has heard all of the episodes, so they might have missed whatever episode you were on 
some years ago. Um, and not everybody may know exactly who you are, right? We might have heard the name, but we're like, who is this Farrah and Lewis? So tell us a little bit about yourself, like who you are. We know you're a council member, but you know who you are, where you're from. And then let's talk about some of the milestones that you have reached as, you know, a council member in Brooklyn, New York. Awesome. Um, so thank you again. I'm Council Member Farrah Lewis, born and raised in Brooklyn. My parents are Haitian. Um, I started off being a publicist. I wanted to be a, a, a journalist. I particularly wanted to be Oprah Winfrey. I wanted to be Oprah Winfrey 2.0 and kind of got led down the, the alleys of organizing, um, taking my skills in communications and media and using that to help my community. Uh, fast forward 2019, a seat becomes available in the community where I grew up. I ran for a special election and I won. I was shocked, to be honest, because it was a, a, a challenge um, running for a seat in a, in a district where the former member was someone who was a very powerful person in New York City, big shoes to fill. Um, but I was excited to know that my community believed in me. I had to run again in, in uh, June 25th. So it was like a four to six week span. Mm. Ran again June 25th, one. And then I had to run again in November. Uh, traditionally, that's not how elections are ran. Um, I had to run three times in one year. I had to raise funds three times in one year. It wasn't easy. It was actually a historical moment because it hasn't happened before. But I was so grateful my community stuck with me, believed in me, and then I became the council member of, of the district. So I've been here for about two and a half years uh, managing uh, troubleshooting, problem solving, and being with my constituents each and every day. All right. So Farah, I know that, you know, if people do a little Googling, they'll see that you are the first woman to hold this position in your district. Is that correct? Yes. I'm the first woman, first Black woman um, to hold this position. And I'm the first Haitian American woman uh, to hold this position in the city council. So it's a historical moment. All around, right? <laughs> so if there's any journalists or any students needing, you know, a research project, I feel like you might be the perfect candidate for that. <laughs> I am. And um, I'm also the co-chair of the Women's Caucus for the City Council, alongside co-chair Amanda Farias um, from Uptown. And I, I love serving my district, but I love being the, the first woman to serve my district because we lead from a place of compassion as women. And it's an opportunity for me to speak to people from all walks of life, but to understand them and being able to support them however we can through the council. All right. So, Farah, as it is Women's History Month, I want you to kind of give me a maybe a brief reflection on um, the importance of women's history. Right. Because some people might be like, well, you know, it's, you know, we're women every day. Why is it important to have women's history? So why would you say it's important that we really like, you know, celebrate and really acknowledge uh, this month? Well, historically, women have severed black uh, glass ceilings. Um, we have gone through so much. And women, the women's suffrage movement and the ratification of the 19th Amendment was huge. You know, women were involved in this movement to change this issue in the country. 
Um, while I respect Women's History Month, love Women's History Month, I think we're off, we often forget about the Black women uh, mm. who are less likely to be associated with the concept of a typical woman um, and viewed more as Black men. Um, so Black women were on the front lines and did help uh, ratify the 19th Amendment. But while we help lead this movement, um, particularly in New York, white-led suffrage organizations purposely left Black women out of the conversation after Mm -hmm. it got ratified and told them, hey, if you want to march, go to the back of the parade. Um, After Black women helped gain this victory, it was a major issue. Black women still to this day um, are disenfranchised. So it's important for us to highlight women. It's important for us to celebrate women Um, and to educate ourselves and understand what women have been through over the years. So to know that Black women helped with the 19th, ratify the 19th Amendment, but had challenges to vote or even run for office right after, lets me know that we still have a long way to go because we see some of that now happening in 2022. So, you know, but for me, the most important part of Women's History Month is is educating our young women mm-hmm. about what it means to break glass ceilings about our history and what the future could look like for them. Right. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think, you know, something that you said really resonated with me, you know, now that I'm thinking about my education in elementary, middle school, and even high school, when we talk about women's history month, I, I don't think I've ever seen a black woman highlighted. Right. Um, right. You know, they, you know, Susan B. Anthony is like the first person that comes to mind. That's the one woman I know they've really honed in on. And so mm-hmm. I think what you're saying makes so much sense now that I'm an adult and I'm like, wait, I, we never focused on black women during women's history month. And so I think that now I'm starting to see these hashtags, black women's history, black her story. So now it's making a little more sense why we're starting to see these hashtags. Right. Well, I have a lot of respect for Susan B. Anthony. She was the mother of the movement. We often forget about Sojourner Truth and some Mm -hmm. of these other women that helped pave the way to lead to that. Um, They're left out of the conversation. But one thing I do want to highlight, not to be divisive or controversial, but um, I often see other women from uh, other women from from other ethnicities and that also considered considered to be minority um they also face discrimination but they know how to work together black women um have this issue where we're not leading or achieving in this fight to strive for success collectively because we don't know how to do that um so i'm hoping this women's history month we can collectively work together as black women to just start changing the narrative and changing behaviors on what unity looks like for us. You know, I have so much respect for South Asian women, Asian women, um, other women who are women of color, Mm -hmm. and they found a way to connect. They found a way to to unify and be with one another. So I'm hoping that we're able to do that in our own community. 
Right. And I hope so too, you know, being somebody who's from the community, who's very active, I think that I do see that there is a lack of collaboration within Black women. Um, as much as we're seeing a lot of women empowerment initiatives and things of that sort, I still think that there is something missing. And so I, I do hope just like you, that we can hopefully, even if we don't you know, solve the problem, right, but that we kind of can at least get together in a think tank to figure out how we can get to, you know, a better space where we are putting each other on, helping each other, reaching back, reaching sideways, things like that. Right. I look forward to it. (laughs) The day will come. The day will come. (laughs) (laughs) So Farah, as we're talking about, you know, disenfranchisement, um, you know, among women, right? You have an important initiative that's coming up soon on March 15th. I believe it's the March 15th is a national equal pay day. And so I mm-hmm. want you to kind of talk a little bit about that and and what you and your office are planning to do for that day. So as co-chair of the Women's Caucus, myself and uh, council member Amanda Farias, we are organizing with, we're partnering with an organization called Power Her. This organization is a powerful organization has been doing initiatives uh, regarding advocacy for a very long time. And they are hosting the annual Equal Pay Day virtual rally on March 15th. And the focus for all of us this year is to end wage inequality by valuing women's work um, mm-hmm. and calling for there to be more equity uh, So there's an initiative called Cost of Living Adjustment um, Mm -hmm. and also known as COLA, Cola. (laughs) right? So we're we're trying to support this uh, particular conversation for Equal Pay Day at this um, annual rally this year. So for us, we know that a lot of immigrant women are often hindered in their pay. Um, They don't have people advocating for them. So part of our conversation at this rally is in regards to COLA. So I'm really excited about it. And also uh, we're pushing forward the conversation on child care. And that's very important. Um, We're asking for the the state legislators to pass the budget for child care. I know Assembly Member Solages has been on the forefront and that's Assemblymember Mikael Solages. She's been on the forefront about the conversation on child care. So I'm really proud of her, her advocacy uh, on this conversation. So we'll be discussing that on the 15th. And we hope that your listeners could join us. We hope that you could join us as well if you're available. All right. And so what are some of the details? Where can we like log in, tune in, join in? I could definitely send that information to you and the flyer and you could share it with, with all of your listeners. Okay, great. So guys, that means you have to be tuning in to according to RP's uh, Instagram so you guys can get this information. But Farah, I definitely commend you um, and, you know, your colleagues in this work. You know, this this year, maybe last year was kind of really the first time that I really got in tune with this pay equity issue, Um, Mm -hmm. you know. I was talking to a couple of recruiters, especially who were kind of giving me the insight as to how this is even possible. Because for me, you know, when I think about I'm applying for a job, I'm given a range, you know, if I fall within that range, like, you know, this is amazing. This is great. But, you know, now I'm kind of privy to wait. It's it's actually not like, you know, not as easy as I think it is. And there are definitely disparities within pay that we are not privy to. Um, So I definitely... 
I think that with this pay equity, we're putting the onerous, in a sense, on the employers to be transparent and to do the right thing, as opposed to expecting the applicants to, you know, to have all this knowledge and to negotiate to all to do all these things for themselves. So I definitely. And and I do want to share this was really important for me Um, when when I went to college, I remember seeing an interview that Oprah had and she was sharing about. Uh, pay equity disparities that she went through mm-hmm. uh, when she got her first job at a local station. Her co-anchor was making $50,000 and she was waking, making way less than that. And I remember she walked in, she said that she walked into the room and said, hey, the co-anchor is making 50000 I want to make 50000 too. And they said, why should we pay you that? Like, do you, do you have a family? Are you paying a mortgage? Hey. Said, no, I don't have any of these things. But she was, my work ethic should speak for my pay. Right. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. Her show got syndicated. She was able to catapult her show and they still told her they wouldn't increase her pay. And that's when she decided to take it by the horns and said, I'm going to do my own thing. Right. And now she's a billionaire. Right. So supposed to show that, you know, sometimes you got to deviate from the plan and do something else. Um, but we're going to continue to advocate because we have thousands, millions of people out there that are not getting paid uh, what they deserve and we have to fight for them. Right. Especially, I mean, as the cost of living is increasing, especially those of us who are living in inner cities, right? Like it's, I mean, a pack of strawberries is $10. I keep complaining about this. (laughs) I keep complaining about the strawberries, (laughs) you know, but it just goes to show like right now, it's even more important, I think, to really focus Mm -hmm. on this issue and to get the pay equity where it needs to be. So kudos to you and your colleagues. Thank you for that. And I'll share the information with you so you can share with your listeners. Yes, definitely. So Farah, I know that you also have an inauguration coming up. And I think that the reason this is such a special inauguration, you know, for me, who's been your friend for quite some time, but obviously for yourself, is that this is really your first inauguration because the pandemic kind of derailed what would have been your first. So this is the first time, even though you've been in this position for two and a half years, that you actually get to get inaugurated. So tell me about that. So I'm really excited because remember, I had to run in 2019 three times and then 2020, um, the pandemic uh, was our reality. So we weren't able to host anything in person. So this is an opportunity for us to actually host this for the community. It's also going to be a state of the district where we're going to talk about legislative budgetary priorities, mm. the victories we were able to get in the last two and a half years regarding housing, land use, transportation, public safety, and what's to come for this district. So I'm really excited. Um, we're doing it for Women's History Month, and it's to honor the women in our community. Um, it's also going to have a youth component. Everybody knows that I love the youth. I love yes. the young people. So um, there's going to be a component where they will be involved as well. So I hope folks can tune in. I know we'll have options both in person and virtual. So I hope they can, everyone, all your listeners can tune in and uh, be a part of a really exciting uh, program. Right. And and I think what even struck me even more so is that you're having it at your alma mater, Midwood High School. Yes, I'm so excited. I know some people like to have it at a school. For me, Midwood like opened the doors for me in so many ways. Um, and having it at my alma mater is 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 just an amazing feeling. Um, Midwood is near and dear to me. It's in the district that I serve, and I'm so excited to be partnering with my principal and all the teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And yeah, we're going to have a good time. Right. So I know you talked about some victories and I obviously don't want you to spill everything on this show because we want people to tune in, you know, whether it's in person or online to your inauguration. But could you talk about one victory that you hold near and dear? There's so many, but I would say for me, it would be the affordable housing component. We have our first exclusive uh, senior affordable housing. It's called the BPHN uh, Senior Residence. It's located on New York Avenue in the East Flappish section of the district. And we've never had affordable housing in this district before. So this is besides Flatbush Gardens, also known as Vanderveer. Um, but this particular project um, is important. My predecessor worked really hard on it. And we worked on it with Bishop uh, Phileas Nicholas, uh, who's been around for a very long mm-hmm. time. And I was able to take this to the end of the finish line and actually get it done. So we have seniors living in there right now. It's a great project. We're actually working with another organization and we'll uh, share that information information at the inauguration on our second senior affordable housing that we're going to have built in the district. So it's an opportunity for us to provide people with better living conditions, mm-hmm. affordable. And, you know, I'm I'm just so excited we were able to do this in two years. Right. It's, it's usually not possible, but we made it possible. And I love that there is a senior focus because although I love youth and I love women because I am a woman um, and I have a 15 year old son. So, you know, the youth is also, is always very important to me, but I, all I love old people. That's always kind of been a weird thing of mine where, you know, I just love old people. And, and I find that they're, you know, amongst the most vulnerable, right. Um, in our population. And so I think to be able to, uh, create special housing in a sense for them, uh, I think is amazing because a lot of our old people are overlooked, unfortunately. Um, and they don't, you know, there's re- the resources, although they may be around, you know, they're old, they're not able to really get online to start looking for apartments that are like, you know, it's, it's daunting for them. So I'm really, I'm really excited about that, that we are not only having one, but two seniors. Yes housings in the district, right? So they don't have to go too far. You know, they can still stay within their community. And continue to thrive here. Um, I call our senior population our golden saints. Aww. They pay for us. They were here 40, 50, 60 years slaving uh, to make sure that we had um, opportunities, opportunities for housing, great jobs, to live in a city where we can take a stand on things and become entrepreneurs and do all mm-hmm. these things. We have to be responsible for our golden saints so they can continue to thrive in a, in a community that they love. So I'm excited. Look forward to coming back on your show to talk to you about part two. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So before you leave, I just want um, you to share maybe one one golden nugget since we're using the word golden. <laughs> golden nugget for our young women, right? Who may be tuning in to this show um, or, or parents of young women who are like, man, this fair is amazing. I want my daughter to be just like her. So women who may be thinking about getting into politics, right? What's maybe one advice you can give to them? Don't be afraid to fail. So the reason why I say this is when I first started out, I wanted to be a journalist. It was something that was important for me because since I was five years old, I wanted to tell people stories. Um, I watched one of my schoolmates um, die and he was hit by a car. I remember like taking the remote, looking at the TV, waiting to hear more about the story, because at that time there was no grief counseling in schools, especially Mm -hmm. for black kids. So it bothered me. 
And I remember my mom said, if you want to do something about it, do something about it. And I remember saying, I'm going to become a journalist because I got to tell everybody's story. And eventually when I graduated from college and I started to approach some news stations, I would always get rejected and turned down. I was either too dark. I wasn't thin enough. It was always this thing. And I remember saying to myself, you know what? I'm grateful for these rejections because one day somebody will say yes. Somebody did say yes to me one day. I remember I went to ABC. They initially told me, no, they will not hire me. And then they called me back two weeks later and they said, hey, we have like this freelance production job. Do you want it? And I said, yes. Um, So never be afraid to fail because there's always an open door coming. Right. And always, yeah, always take the opportunity to 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 try your best. And that's how you sever glass ceilings. You never know when the opportunity will come. I love that advice because I think with this generation, especially, you know, with social media and everything, you know, uh, insecurities are high, self-esteems are low and, you know, hearing no can be earth shattering. And so I think that that's some amazing advice. And and we're looking at you, you're, you know, you're living proof of, you know, all the no's and look where you are now. So hopefully, you know, this can be an inspiration to somebody who is tuning in today. Uh, But Farah, I know that you are a busy, busy councilwoman. You have a lot of things to do, saving the world, saving the district. So I just want to thank you so much for making the time to be here with us today, you know, just to talk to us about, you know, who you are again, letting us know what are some of the things that are happening um, and giving us this preview, right, to the inauguration that's taking place, I believe, March, Sunday, March 27th. Right. Right. Okay, great. And the flyer That's will the be RSVP. Yes. <laughs> the flyer will be on uh the according to RP and I believe it's already there and then also on uh I am Rita Pierre if you guys are interested. It is RSVP. So if you are interested in going guys, please RSVP. Links are in the bios. But again, Farah, thank you so much for for being on the show. And Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And everyone Thank you for tuning in to another episode of According to RP on WJMS Media, powered by Black Ivy Media. It's your girl, Rita Pierre, your host, and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. You were listening to According to RP on WJMS Radio. About time you tuned in. Tune in each and every Sunday. I can't wait to come back. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's all online.